Hello, and welcome to the Magic for Realists podcast. This is number 21, and it's called Convergence. I'm making this podcast in general because I want to share with you some of the magic I found in the real world. By that I mean some of the wonder and mystery and interesting thoughts and transformations and tingles and surprises and challenges that I have discovered in my life so far, sometimes from past stories, sometimes current ones, and I want to share that with you in hopes that it will help and inspire or be of interest to you. It's a conversation I feel I have with myself a lot of the time, and so it's kind of like you're getting a little sneak peek into some of my inner workings. Uh, This podcast in particular is a bit of a different one because in it, it's a bit longer and I'm going to share with you a conversation that I had with Andy Mort. Andy is another podcaster uh, based in Britain and we have so far only met on the internet. He is an amazing creative person and a gentle rebel is his words. He is a sensitive person who moves through the world with ingenuity and gentleness and he helps other people to do that as well through his slow coaching in his words um, work and I started listening to Andy's podcast called The Gentle Rebel uh, probably sometime in the fall and I really felt uh, resonance like as if we were kind of on a similar wavelength and knowing that his voice was out there in the world and, and even that he'd been doing his podcast for so long was really inspiring to me in starting my own. So it's kind of one of those last little nudges, like it's okay to let your voice out there. Um, Other people will want to hear it. Um, And so I reached out and sent him a message saying that. And then, uh, yeah, he offered to, or wanted to connect with me and then later wanted to record a conversation of ours to share on his podcast. And he's agreed that I can share it on mine. I was super honored to have this conversation and really excited, well, and the other conversations I've had with Andy, just to get to know him, and I'm really, really glad that he's up to what he's up to in the world. I know some of you started listening to my podcast because of hearing this conversation on his, and that seems to be further evidence that there's something similar in what we're up to, if you um, resonated with his stuff and now enjoy listening to mine. Um, So if you haven't checked out Andy, you might want to after this conversation. Uh, he was kind of guiding it, but as you'll, as you'll see, we, we end up in this kind of, almost feels like just a, like if it was music, it would be a jam session, but it's conversation, so it's just a back and forth. Uh, when I listen back to it, I, I noticed that my sound quality is a lot worse than his, maybe due to the long distance connection and my amateur setup, so please excuse that. And I also noticed that I almost feel like I'm interrupting him. I think I feel really keen. And yeah, he didn't feel that I was interrupting when I reflected that afterwards. But um, yeah, I almost feel like I was so excited about the things we were talking about that maybe I jumped in too fast sometimes and wasn't... Um, anyways, you know, I, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Lindsay Celeste, it's so nice to be speaking to you on the Gentle Rebel podcast. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's so nice to be here with you, Andy. Thanks. Yeah, that's cool. So you're in Canada. 
and it's early yeah, morning. On the, on the West Coast, it's early morning. I'm in BC on Vancouver Island. Cool. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I came across you um, firstly because of your podcast, Magic for Realists. And um, and that was, yeah, you, you kind of, I think, sent me a message just to say hi and to let me know that you know you'd been listening to my podcast and that you'd you'd got that that kind of show going and yeah, I had to listen to it yeah your podcast was part of the kind of final little tip me over the edge into making mine it was, was it? Oh, that's cool. final inspiration yeah. so I wanted to reach out and tell you that <laughs> yeah and it was so nice that you did and yeah like so refreshing listening to it and it's like this it's just got such a lovely rhythm to it and a yeah very authentic vibe and I was oh, like yeah you. this is this is great this is exactly what I need in my ears so yeah <laughs> thank you um, so I really wanted to get you on this podcast and and just have a chat about ideas and stuff that you kind of talk about and your story as well which would be a great place to start I think um, yeah if you could just sort of yeah give us the Lindsay Celeste story from when until now <laughs> yeah where does one start a story yeah. um that's actually a fascinating, I, I find that fascinating, how we tell stories and how we choose to frame them and start them, all part of the interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll start with the threads I see of how the podcast started in that it's been an idea for a while of wanting to join that kind of global conversation of podcasts mm-hmm. and the themes that I'm working with there are, I'd say, kind of unexpectedly mixing themes of everyday life and drawing out the metaphors in them and a kind of like deeper meaning or nuance, which is something that I've been doing for ages. And combining unexpected things, I basically get off on. I think it's great. And I see threads in my life of trying to reconcile different parts of me and of my life. So I grew up mostly with my mom, but visiting my dad. And I grew up being a Christian, but then found my, my way into pagan stuff in my early 20s and was like, how do I make these go together? Or I lived in the mountains and I missed the ocean. And quite a few different kind of like, it's, it reminds me of your your latest podcast about opposites of these these things that we're holding in like is it tension or a dance and we can't let go of either one of them. Mm. Um, I now see a lot of those in my life. Even the, the, my choice of having two names, Lindsay Celeste, each of those has a story, and I refuse to let go of either one of them. Yeah. So I'm like, I guess I'll just have two. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's your what's that's your not kind quite of my, my my biography, but that's my thematic. Yes, yeah, great. It's a great right thread. Now. Yeah, and like in terms of your relationship with with that whole idea of contradiction and holding those those things together, have you have you always kind of found them easy to hold, or has that been a tension? No, I think. Um. Uh, my, my way of holding them at first, and I've been reflecting on my childhood quite a bit lately, was to, I mean, that split between my mom and my dad wasn't my choice. Mm-hmm. And my way of reconciling that was to be very 
different in each household. Um, I think because they were so different. So I, I figured out ways like I had two completely different wardrobes. Like I knew that wearing my mom's clothes at my dad's house wasn't like they didn't like them and wearing my dad's clothes at my mom's house didn't like. So I reconciled that by just having two sets. Right. And I kept that, that way going for quite a while where I would just manage to have like a split life. Um, and, and lately I'd say maybe in the last two years, especially like for a while I thought, Oh, this is, this is just how I do things. I have, you know, different jobs, different lovers, different, whatever, ongoing that not split in the sense of like I'm being deceptive because everybody knows that I have two different lives or jobs or personas or whatever, but that um, more like more split and just simultaneous. And now it's becoming more interesting to me. How, how can I actually like weave those together and have it be the same existence that has different facets to it like it that difference has become important to me between split and interwoven um so it hasn't always been easy and i think it's probably like a like a life theme that i get to work with like i don't think this is going anywhere Mm -hmm. oh yeah it sounds like it yeah i'm fascinated by that that difference between yeah the split and then the I suppose it's it's like liminality it's that that kind of one foot here one foot there which can yeah. be a I'm I'm divided but it can also be I'm converging it's also things. where it all the like where so much life and magic happens is at that convergence if you can manage to hold the thing yeah like there's this um I don't know if you know tarot cards but there's a tarot card called temperance where the, the figure has one foot on the land and one foot in the water right. and she's pouring something, I think. And it's this, even the word temperance, it's like, how do you find balance and like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and it, without it being a, a riff? Because mm. the split, I think, actually divides like our energy or our attention and gives us less of it. But yeah. the, the convergence gives us more. So. Yeah, that's a, it's a really, it's a subtle difference it's almost like the split means you're you only have 50 percent of mm-hmm. of something in one half and 50 percent in the other half whereas the convergence is like a hundred percent and an expansion in yeah through exactly. the whole thing. <laughs> it's really or the yeah. other image that comes to mind um that i've actually brought up on my podcast is of an estuary like where the the river and the ocean meet mm. which isn't a split that's a convergence and where i live is an estuary town basically so i drive by that convergence and see you know the very unique ecosystem that is at that joining yeah yeah Um, and that's it isn't it it's the the completely unique situation that emerges from that weird convergence of yeah of things that will be nowhere else in the world that's like a one-off place yeah which is and i feel like the if we can sit with that um, or turn the tension into a dance, then we have, we off that is our particular place or creative genius that nobody else might see. If, if we can, if we're only holding one, we're probably in a spot that lots of other people are in, but like, it's our unique combination of 
whether it's life history or interests. And it, it's where those meet that it really sparks something potentially new, I feel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which I, I suppose puts a tension in the, you know, we're, we're often trying to, or looking out to the world, uh, looking for things to emulate as like, what do I need to do? What should I be doing? You know, I need to kind of copy this person or emulate that person or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose that's where it's a, a process of, and I'd love to just know more about how you talked about the last three, two, three years coming mm-hmm. to a, sounds like more of a place of peace with that convergence. Like what, what made the difference for you in that respect? Um, hmm. I think a few things come to mind. My connection with my counselor has really helped. Um, because it's speaking to somebody older and wiser who I think has helped me see, like she never really pointed out this theme, but somehow the, the welcoming of all of me helped me to not feel split. Mm-hmm. And then also I, the place where I live has helped. So about two Coming up on two years ago, I left a significant relationship and land project that I've been helping to start like a community living situation and came to be that I needed to leave. And that was very difficult. And I moved into a tiny little like 28 foot travel home trailer. And I I couldn't, I was like, I can't live with anybody else. I just need to live by myself make this little cocoon. And I think the, that little trailer has also been a teacher in that I brought back my possessions from, you know, most of them from where I had lived and from my mom's basement and the physically like uniting of my things felt um like not just symbolic, but also like it, it was helping me to put pieces of myself all and, and that nobody else was there telling me what was and wasn't welcome in my space. Mm. So if I liked it, it could be there. If I didn't like it, it wouldn't be there. Um, I think I've usually curated my space to some degree with other people in mind, like either because I was actually sharing it with them or I wanted to impress them or, I don't know, like it was, it wasn't just my space. So once I had all my things and then I saw, it's almost like, I think our outside environment can be sort of a reflection of the inside of our head for better or worse. Mm. And then it it also um, affects our internal state. So once I saw my stuff all in the same place and started to actually see what I liked, I could see that reconciling. Like I could see stuff from my mom and stuff from my dad and stuff from this part of my life and that part of my life. Like all of a sudden, all those parts of my life were physically sitting on the same shelf, Mm -hmm. which is how I've experienced them. But I don't think I'd ever really had them together. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I haven't articulated that, how, how important it was to see my things together, which betrays the kind of, way I see the world that I, I feel like our stuff and our emotional or spiritual experience are really connected. Um, mm-hmm. 
So of course I would find that physical experience meaningful. <laughs> like other people might, might've had, that might not be as important, but the physical part to me of bringing my stuff and putting it together in a peaceful, lovely way, mm. I think felt like it was doing something internally to me. Yeah. That does sound really, really powerful. Like the, and again, with that estuary image, almost that them coming together like different parts of that fragmentedness, I suppose, like mm-hmm. coming together on a shelf into the and, yeah. and that also feels where there's artistic possibilities, either with physical things or with ideas mm. of like when they come together, like that's where you make something. Yeah. It's sort of it's almost the basic way that the universe creates stuff is two different things come together and make something else. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a new idea. No. And sometimes that's like a, an explosive clashing together. Sometimes it's a gentle sort of, yeah, like, I don't know, morphing. And, yeah. And yeah. the gentle part, like time seems really important. If you, if you rush this process, you end up with a kind of um, like slap together, not actually congruous combination. Mm-hmm. And I've tried that before. Like if you, it's a, you know, if you force two people in your life to meet or you, you force this vocabulary in that world, it can end up <laughs> causing an explosive disaster or just not making sense or feeling like, I don't know, like kitschy and not just doesn't fit. You're like, Ooh, that doesn't belong here. Yeah. Like, so it has to be slow enough that you can find what actually does fit because mm-hmm. not everything fits together. Like some things just don't belong. Yeah. Um, so there's a patience. And I mean, it hasn't gone as fast as I wanted. <laughs> like none of this is going as quickly as I would have liked, yeah. but I think some of it is becoming okay with, like you said in in that opposites episode of like being okay with not fixing it Hmm. for like quite a while or maybe ever like it, it's not going to, you might have to just sit with both of those indefinitely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the almost surrendering to the fact that either this is going to be slow or this might not become what I have in my head that it will become. And actually, it, you know, when often when you, I, I find when I surrender to that, things start to move as well. Like, it, and it's a, it's obviously not a recipe for that because then you sort of, it's a weird meta. Like, you know, well, if I if I stop trying to force it, then yeah, you it can't happen. control the like, it, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like magic for realists. What is um, like. What, what's the, what's the convergence of those two ideas? Like the magic, what is magic to you? Who are the realists? What? Yeah. Oh yeah. So you together? can see in the title, the same thing's happening, right? Exactly. Yeah. There's um, the thread. Which was inspired. I read this book of quite a few years ago. Uh, I'm going to mess up his last name, but he's a, a Brit. Um, Alain de Botton. Alain, Alain de Botton. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, he writes religion for atheists, mm-hmm. um, which is a, I think a great book about, what parts of religion are like, what is, what has religion gotten really good at in terms of, 
you know, teaching or society or morals or helpful community? And what can, what can we almost extract from that? Even if you don't adhere to the belief system. Yeah. Um, but I just got thinking, wow, I really like that title and the concept of like, like this for that, that would otherwise be opposite. So I started playing around with a few combinations of, of those that I feel. And oh, wow. what, I really, what other ones did you come up with? <laughs> um, new age for old timers. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's the other one I remember. And then magic <laughs> for realists. Yeah. So, and by magic, I mean like kind of everything that you might think of, but not like a guy on stage with a bunny and a hat, but the, like the tingles, the magic moment in the sunset, the, um, the, when something changes unexpectedly and you don't quite understand how it happened or like, just the, the sinking feeling of like really good music that you don't understand why it happened, but you're like, Oh, or in love or all those. So like the mystery side of things. Not quite like, you know, Disney world sparkles, but almost anything else. Um, And then, but sometimes, especially in the current conversation, I feel like magic-y stuff gets a little bit far away from things I can like everyday relate to. Mm -hmm. Like it gets far off into either like I kind of want to put my hands up above my head like it gets into like the Akashic records or um, manifestation or angels or spirit voices and like it gets way up there which I'm not commenting on whether that stuff what's going on there only to say that I still feel really connected to like the state of my house and what clothes I'm wearing and like dishes and that kind of thing and And I, I find magic like that wonder, mystery, sparkle feeling in that stuff. That's not really like woo out there in the Pallades. It's like happening at my kitchen sink. So in that way, there's a realisticness to it. Like, what's it going to do today? Um, like, I, I get frustrated with conversations that are only philosophical and I'd like to know how my how my walking, talking, moving, cleaning is actually affected. Um, mm. So realism could be a like I think it's a sophisticated philosophical stance or like like whole thread of philosophy. I'm I don't actually know much about that. I mean it in kind of the most like pedestrian realistic sense, like just what you normally consider the real world. Like I'm not getting all um, sort of like deeply philosophical about, about what is real and the, you know, Plato's cave of illusions. We're not Mm -hmm. going there Mm -hmm. very often, at least (laughs) it's like what's generally just happening in the quote real world. Um, And how do those converge? Yeah. It's to, and that's, that's what you do so well. And it's, yeah, I think it's really interesting that you say that about, yeah, going off into the kind of extremes of, of the idea of, of magic and all that stuff. And actually it's, it's about bringing it back to that everyday stuff where there's, there are, there's just, and and the themes that you talk about are, are like just really things that you see every day 
that you maybe just look past and you yeah. don't quite like delve into the the wonder of it and I think yeah I, I suppose w- words like wonder and awe and mystery and just those those things that spark a feeling of like whoa like, <laughs> yeah. actually you know this thing that I thought was it's just a part of you know it's a part of my everyday reality actually when I delve into it it's unbelievably crazy like it's mm-hmm. beautiful um and so yeah some of the some of the things you've you've talked about are like the I really love the nursery um nursery log so like talking about seedlings and um and yeah the kind of idea of a of a forest or a tree like dropping loads and loads of seedlings and actually some so many of them have to die in order for something to grow and things like that which yeah yeah it's just great <laughs> yeah that yeah. was a recent helpful metaphor to me because um I was disparaging over how many ideas I have that I don't act on. Mm. And I feel like some of the messages, I'm not even quite sure where I'm getting them from, but it's all about like, um, kind of like follow through. Like you have to, you have to follow through with your idea and complete it and get to the finish line. And again, this linear thing that you've been talking about a lot that, you know, starts here ends. So therefore you have an idea. And if you don't follow through with it all the way, you've quit or something and quitting would be the worst thing you could do. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes quitting is the best thing you could do for the record. Absolutely. Um, So finding examples in, especially the natural world, but also in just anything of the quote real world that we can see and touch Mm. of like, okay, how do things, how do other things work? that might help me understand how I work or how the, the world is. So I look at all these trees dropping tons of seedlings, like the numbers are in the millions. And um, one, if they're lucky, maybe two of those grow into adult trees. And I'm not going around thinking, oh, wow, these trees are like really failing at being a tree. They yeah. are really succeeding at being a tree. And part of what they're doing as a successful, healthy tree is making way more seedlings than ever grow. Um, I can feel this in my own body of all the, I haven't had children yet. So all the potential that I have that hasn't become a baby, mm-hmm. I have not therefore, you know, not be, been a woman this whole time. So I got to think, wow, this, this sort of like possibilities that don't follow through is part of the creative nature of the world. Like it, it's not like we need to stop all those possibilities. And I feel more free after kind of revisiting that idea with myself that those ideas are part of my aliveness as the ones that I just have and grow a tiny bit and the ones that grow a a little bit more um, and the ones that grow completely, like they're all, none of it has failed. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a beautiful metaphor. And like, as you're talking there, I'm just thinking it's almost, it's almost something like spark, like about the idea of a tree, just, just kind of sprinkling its (laughs) seedlings. And it's like, it's, it's almost just, yeah, that, that image of, it doesn't matter what happens to these. I'm just like throwing them into the world. And this is my, it's almost my gift to the world is that is all of these things. And I know like, it's obviously doing it for a reason in order to to sort of up the chances of reproducing itself. But 
in a way, when you look at it in that through those eyes, it's like no, actually things grow and just yeah, just spread themselves as a gift. <laughs> yeah, and the tree doesn't know like the reason it has to put so many out there is because it doesn't know which one is going to fall in the perfect yeah. combination of like soil, sunlight, water. Like it has to broadcast. Yeah. Which and then I the tree's think, not like with its branches trying to really control each one. Right. Like, oh, I'm going <laughs> to, I've got to make this one work. <laughs> it's just like. And it's interesting, around here, there's, there's forests that are, um, that have been like clear cut logged and then planted by tree planters. And those forests, some of them are, are grown, like grown up more now, but they have a totally different feel than the ones that have organically um, mm. sprouted themselves. The tree planted ones, you know, there were, all the seedlings had kind of like equal chance and they were evenly spaced and the forest still grows into a forest, but it kind of has this manufactured feeling, yeah. which is different than the, the, the wildness of it might land anywhere. Mm. Um, which when I said that word broadcasting, I was thinking how it's a similar feeling. I think you and I talked about, about what podcasting feels like where you send this, this voice seed out and you you just send it as wide as you can um and you don't know where it's going to land and sometimes like somebody might squash it in the first 20 seconds not listen to the rest of it maybe yeah. somebody makes it you know a few 10 minutes in and then i say something and they're like oh what's she's that talking about sometimes they make it through the whole thing sometimes it grows in an idea in their mind and i'll never see it and sometimes it might turn into you know a connection like this with you or like we just don't know where it's going to yeah. land, which is a, a exciting part about the medium. And also this kind of, there's a surrender to it. It's like, well, we just cast these to the wind and see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. That's really, just, really similar. You feel that similarity? That's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, if you kind of overthink, especially the, those kind of people that might listen for 10 seconds and then be like, Oh, what's this? Turn it <laughs> Overthink those sorts of, uh, those sorts of landings. Failed. Yeah, exactly. And it's probably, it's, I mean, it applies probably to so many things that we do and maybe hold ourselves back from like, you know, you need a bit of certainty or you need that sense of like, well, I, I need to know that this is going to work before I, you know, put it out into the world. And actually it's the opposite of that. You need, mm -hmm. you need to be aware that it, may well not work and loads and loads of times it won't work but that's oh. a part of making it work so an, an early thread to this to me podcasting that i'll tell you about is that uh i i used to live on a small little island that had its own radio show and cool. in this little like gorilla radio station that was in a tiny travel trailer i like the back of a sheep field and Amazing their antenna to broadcast was up on the hill. Like somebody had to climb a big tree and there's haphazard wires and pretty much anybody in the community could have their own radio show on the, on air if they wanted, because <laughs> there was less, uh, uh, less broadcasters than there is time in the day. So there was always time open. So if you turned into the radio, like probably 75 chance, nothing would be on, but sometimes there'd be a show on. So when I heard about this, I thought, Oh, well, this is like my chance to have a radio show. <laughs> this is like probably 10 plus years ago before podcasting was really popular. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I had a radio show Friday afternoons, I think was my slot. And it was live. I'd turn on the mic and it had like CD players and cassette players and a bit of a switchboard. 
And uh, my show was called Yours Truly. And I did a combination of read poetry, played my favorite songs, and talked a little bit. Oh, man. And uh, I was also recovering from tonsillitis. So my throat was sore. And if you um, pay attention to any kind of like chakra stuff, your throat chakra is um, kind of like self-expression and what you're expressing out into the world. Mm. So it could be thought that my sore throat was this kind of like blockage that that I wasn't used to expressing myself, which I think fits with my childhood and upbringing of feeling stifled there. And so I connected this healing from tonsillitis with the radio show. And I thought, I just need to practice speaking, like talking and, and probably nobody's listening. Like the radio show's live, but there's like not that many people on the whole island and even less people tuning in at the right time to hear me. And it wasn't recorded. So there I am in the little like sheep shack talking to the microphone. And I had to get comfortable with maybe nobody was listening, but that also wasn't entirely the, like there was, that might've been the point, but me expressing myself was just as valuable and like was a gift to me. The hypothetical audience was a gift to me. Um, and some people occasionally listened and told me they liked it. <laughs> um, Did you ever get that and then think, oh, actually people are listening. That's really scary. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like, again, that sort of liminal space between like, I wanted to think that people were listening because that was I don't know, flattering or interesting and was then therefore I would say different things than if I was just talking to myself, but I also didn't want to overthink that people were listening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And I I feel that kind of similar um, with that similarity now with podcasting in that I really enjoy what it does to me and my psyche having to articulate some of these ideas that I've lived with for a long time. Yeah. Like that's good for me. And I also hear back from some people that it's enjoyable and they benefit from it, which is, which is awesome. And that both of those kind of consummate to be why I want to do it. Mm. Um, that's a cool, yeah. Good, good rooting motivations as well as a, yeah, not, I want to grow my audience. So I'm going to start a podcast, which is a lot of, um, a lot of like the primary reasons that you see, you know, you know, if you see like 10 reasons to start a podcast and it's all these marketing reasons. <laughs> I didn't, like, oh, I didn't man. Read those. oh, seen a few of them. I always click on them just out of interest. Like, Oh, yeah. why, why yeah, should why I have should started I have a podcast like 12 years ago? Or whatever? <laughs> well, I think that's, that's one of the things I really appreciate about your work and, and what you're putting out, what your seedlings are is that it, I think one of the reasons we connect also is because it feels authentic. Like you're, you're doing your thing. You have like a little bit of strategy, which is great, but it's, it's really like coming from who you are and what you're caring about. And even this recent Serenity Island project, like it, it has, it has shape to it, but the shape surprised even you. Like I yeah. love that. <laughs> That's what tells me that this is like actually a creative thing is yeah. that you were surprised with where it took you. And I have felt that in some of my creations of either like physical art pieces or writing or, you know, ceremonies I've enacted where I get taken along 
by the thing I'm making. And that's when it feels like magic where there's something larger than like, I was, I put all the ingredients together and I maybe even stirred it up, but then something happened that I, I too was surprised by like the characters came alive or the, the group dynamic, like actually lit up or whatever the the magic was that I was surprised by. Like, that's when I know I'm, really kind of onto it which is a humbling experience like you you have to hold that with like whoa this wasn't all this wasn't just me like yeah. something happened um that could be divine or magic whatever you want to call it the yeah. muse the inspiration and so um because that uh uh not uh, something similar to that a version of that can be manufactured like you can take the elements of it and and put them together and come up with something with a sem- semblance. That's the word semblance of of a creation. And there's so much of that right now mm. to encounter um, something that's really been creatively created. Uh, it's really her- uh, that's refreshing to me. I so I just wanted to tell you that as yeah, well. That's that cool. I, I feel that about your Serenity Island project. It actually surprised you. And therefore I kind of trust it as something that really came from, <laughs> came from the realm of muses, which doesn't sound very realistic, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, came from yeah, that Totally. Yeah. And it's, it is that, you know, that, that same kind of thing that you're talking about with the, with your, um, the, what you get out of the podcast like being able to just articulate things and and it's almost like here ex- experiencing what it is that you think about something or what you've been feeling about something that you haven't realized you're feeling about something or or whatever and then there's something more as well that emerges through the process of creating that yeah, yeah and I, I i i guess i i see it as that difference between expansion and and kind of contraction and and if it feels like it's expanding there's something about it that's like, okay, this is not just expanding itself. It's expanding something in me as well. And like the, the whole idea of, you know, I'm creating it and it's simultaneously creating something about me, something in me that's going to leave me fundamentally different as a result of going through this yeah. process. Um, yeah. It's cool. Yeah. And with the, um, talked about the, the nursery log um, with that seedlings idea, um, or was that the episode on death? Was that the same? Which episode? Was uh, that? No, there was two different ones. So one was the seedlings, where the idea of we we have a lot more I- ideas than we fully um, actualize. Yeah. And then I think the next week I extended it into this nursery log idea, which is the fallen trees, which mm, are prime ground for actually the seedlings to sprout on, and linking that with what I notice in current culture of death being so kind of vilified and uh, disparaged, like it's always the worst thing that could happen. Um, Maybe especially noticeable in a pandemic where that feels like the underlying assumption in all the decisions is that death is always the worst thing. And I'm not suggesting that suffering is something I want more of in the world. Not at all. Just that nobody seems to be going that far back in our assumptions and look and talking about how we view death Mm. and um, 
which is also part of your history that I'm curious about <laughs> as somebody who's worked in the death world. Um, yeah. I want, like I, maybe I've gathered that, that that actually adds depth to your creative work because so many people haven't actually acknowledged that death happens and will happen and have managed to live life with that awareness. Mm. So these, this image of these trees falling they're yes, they're dead trees, but they've, they've fallen in the forest and they are actually what becomes the most fertile ground mm. for um, the, uh, the new stuff to grow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really powerful image and, and that, yeah, you kind of talked about the, the like grandparent often, often a grandparent will, die around the same time as a as a newborn child is born in in the same family and Mm -hmm. there's that kind of thing going on and and yeah you're so so right I think there's like thinking about the pandemic and our relationship with death and the idea of death like it's it's almost at the two extremes of um when there's a lot of it so when the num like things just become numbers so people people who have died just become one of a thousand people who died today and then you are so desensitized to the meaning of that um, and the stories that each one of those numbers you know kind of embodies um and and then yeah as you say the the, the kind of other end of that spectrum is the like yeah just not i think yeah it's just it's not being having a healthy relationship with something that is inevitable for all of us it's like something it's, that we I'm all have sure to how, deal with. Yeah, I'm not sure how it is in the UK, but here it's like, on one hand, death is talked about, like death is sort of like headlined, like mm. numbers, all that consideration. Um, but it's not personalized. Like I, I, I read the obituaries in the local paper and then I feel like, oh, like this person you know, loved fishing and their dog was called this and this was their nickname. And Hmm. like, it feels like, okay, that was a life. And then it ended. And um, that is more meaningful and kind of like touches on how death actually is than a number. Yeah. So, so it feels dangerous to me actually that the pandemic would sort of blare death in our faces but not actually but it's almost like a numbing kind of blaring so we think we're confronted with death and then we're acting afraid and making all sorts of societal decisions apparently because of death but we're not actually feeling it or talking about the talking about grief even like okay so we need to wash our hands and also we need to care for people who are grieving like let's talk about how to do that yeah that's yeah, really exactly. It's it's that's a, such a good point because it's a, it's all about like how can we bring that number down? How can we stop the num- stop you being a part of the number or like you know like somebody already was the part of the number and yeah. now and they're, they're really sad and like I I did this episode called grieving in the grocery store because well you should just go listen to it if you want the whole details but the just this notion that once when we're grieving we're trying to do everyday life stuff and then it it trips us up Mm. example in the grocery store. And so now I'm picturing this world where, okay, people are, 
people have lost somebody in the pandemic and they're trying to keep going. No, mm-hmm. like, why is nobody talking about the grief part of the pandemic? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, totally. And there must be so much stuff then when you're dealing with grief in a situation like this that just is triggering all sorts of all sorts of emotions, all sorts of things, you know, just watching the news. And even even when you're watching and everything's just numbers and it's like suddenly, you know, and it was like, it, it was the same in, in my job where in the height of the pandemic and you're kind of, you're forced a little bit for practical reasons, but to, to kind of delineate between those who have died from COVID and those who haven't. And yeah. there's almost this, this weird thing that goes on where it's like they were a COVID victim or a COVID, you know, yeah. I don't know what the right word would be, but yeah, kind of like, yeah, this, this post-mortem um, tiered system of like, yeah. yeah, we can deal with this deceased in a different way to this one. Cause they were, you know, they died of COVID or, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's really, you know, I, I don't think the full, extent of the stuff certainly like for me that I've that I would have dealt with during this time I don't think that's fully come out and I've realized you know what that what that looks like yet and um, the case it's going to be the same for so many people obviously working in kind of medical fields and all sorts of different place uh, areas of society that you just sort of have to get on with it um and yeah it's an interesting one. <laughs> and I think that's where our, or part of where some of our shared themes of like the, the gentle word that you use so much or slow, um, where a lot of this won't, like we won't know it yet mm. and, or grief. Like it's not, none of this is fast. No. So in a, in a general culture where speed is usually glorified, and we want to solve it quickly, get over it quickly. Um, we, the danger of that is in kind of like rushing over our, even our own experience, yeah. be it pleasant, like the magic that we might be missing or unpleasant because um, we're losing our, you know, probably our connection to ourselves and each other and the world if we're needing to rush over our own mm. experience of it. Yeah. And that, that is, so, I mean, it's so likely to happen because it, it, you know, you're talking about, I suppose, looking at uncomfortable things for yourself. And you're also talking about the backdrop of a society that does not want to pause and take that collective breath and say, okay, let's, let's just reflect on what has gone on here and let's like try and find some semblance of healing. Um, you know, like I guess to draw kind of parallels to like certainly the like the Second World War here, the, or yeah, and the First World War actually, like where you know people who made it home, certainly from the trenches, would never talk about what they went through again, and and yeah. society was okay with that because they didn't want to hear it, and it was like it was almost this this kind of I guess bottleneck of. I don't know, emotion and stuff that just got totally bottled up, bottled up and never was never able to, um, yeah, kind of release in any kind of healthy or constructive way, which I suppose is that 
almost coming back to the nursery log thing of actually there's as painful as it is there's always story in those hard painful you know traumas there's there's things that can be born out of those but i think we just shut the try and shut the lid down on it well and the the metaphor extension that's coming to mind now is that if you if you take the nursery log out of the forest so if you're like that tree died the people like let's get rid of it you actually subtract from the forest a huge source of its nutrients and of what helps the next generation like yeah. the forest is really unhealthy if you take out the dead that's trees. a really good point yeah yeah, this is getting so juicy. So I feel like if we, you know, we take, we literally take the dead bodies away, like we don't want to see it, send it away. Or, or we take away the uncomfortable experience or the grief. And we're like, I, that's not here. This isn't a live place. Like mm. get that out of here. We have uh, taken away our own source. Of, like if the forest is the community of such richness and nutrients that could we could actually grow better from kind of like composting that for longer yeah and then what's also coming to mind is this a little bit of hopeful thought i was washing my car with my dad last weekend and um we were talking about you know projects we're up to and kind of life in general stuff and he said i'm really like i'm really enjoying this conversation he said, I was reflecting that I never, so this is him talking. I never had a meaningful conversation with my father. Hmm. He's like, I never talked about anything important with him. I never asked him how the war was. I never talked about like his failures and successes and, and his relationships. Um, he's like, and he, he kind of couldn't believe that that had never happened. Hmm. But now he was having that with me. And we're both like, oh, this is significant. In the course of one generation, we've shifted from never talking about this stuff to somewhat talking about this stuff quite a mm. bit. I mean, there's things I don't talk to my dad about, but quite a bit is, on, is open for discussion. Yeah. And, and it's like he's leaving his, the logs of his, his life there for me to grow from. And mm. he's actually letting me talk about them. And say like, yeah, this worked and that didn't. And um, in that way, I feel like we have changed as a society since the world wars. And we, you know, you and I are having this conversation, which mm. wouldn't have happened before. Yeah. So in small ways, we are talking about it more. And I find that encouraging, I guess. Yeah, definitely. That's really, that's, yeah, powerful observation. And yeah, I guess it's the... It's the story aspect, isn't it? Of like when you're talking about taking that, when you take that log, that nursery log out of the forest, you're essentially removing the story that the entire forest is kind of rooted in, like the history of this, you know, where these things, where these other trees have grown out of. And they obviously aren't sentiently aware of things in the same way that we are, like have that kind of conscious awareness of story. But like when that log is gone, you lose that grounding of what is my story? Like, you know, not necessarily my personal story, but the story of us collectively and the story of this forest. And it's that difference again, coming back to that manufactured forest that you're saying that you have nearby of like 
the when everything's kind of like just very neatly placed here 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 like you, you it's a it's basically a story uh, a forest based without story without history um and yeah like uh, I was kind of reflecting kind of doing some of the work around the serenity island stuff and talking like thinking about history and sort of reconciling parts of our past and and that kind of stuff and um can i use this this term um hidden hidden story as like a way of kind of dividing up his like history like it's, mm. it's it's the hidden story it's the story that is there underneath when we start to kind of peel back the layers and, and dig in and actually yeah. you know it's it's where we learn it's where we see what's gone before it's where we you know engage with that that hidden story that makes us that puts us in this place that we are today like surrounded by these things that have been built and imagined by people years and years ago and all of that stuff um and, and it's the I things you take for granted yeah uh to loop it back into like the physical stuff or or how i've worked with trying to reconcile or conglomerate parts of myself the pulling thread it's like pulling threads of those stories both mm. my own and even you know my parents and further before me it's it feels ex- it's almost like the the garment or the tapestry is more colorful or or rich like you in texture and, and nuance when i can pull those threads in so like mm. is there you know i might not understand how um like there's that tension at first where you're like, what do I do with this part of my story? I don't like it or it doesn't make sense or, or what I'm ashamed of it, all that. And then if you try and throw that piece out, like the log out of the forest, you're missing like raw material <laughs> that could be really great for either art or story or connection. Um, mm-hmm. And if you can sit with it now that there's a difference between like, you know, if it's letting off toxic gas, you probably do actually want to get rid of it, mm-hmm. but most of it can be composted somehow and, and woven in to, um, to our own stories in a way that gives us more vitality, I think. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Definitely. Yeah. Oh man. I love all this. You're going to have to come back on the show again in the future. Cause uh, I love that. So I love much talking we need to, to talk about. Yeah, <laughs> it's really great. Because cool. um, <laughs> like we're actually doing that same thing. Like we're we're weaving the two our two stories together with the themes and making this other thing. And, yeah, it's, and that's what that's <laughs> what I really love about just having having these sorts of conversations like on the podcast. It's like what we were talking about earlier with that that kind of emergence, that expansion of things, um, and it like the creativity surprising you and totally and it, like i couldn't have come up with this and you couldn't have come up exactly with this. yeah somehow and, our two minds are like oh let's make this <laughs> and if you if you kind of come at it from a right I'm, i've got like 20 minutes half an hour to get get an interview done and we'll just tick these boxes we'll go to i'll ask <laughs> these questions it's it's like you don't you don't have that kind of unraveling sense of yeah just following those threads that the, the the podcast format actually really lends itself to the, the totally. kind of real long form. You know, if you don't want to listen to it, you can turn it off. But like, it might have already. Who knows? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I love it. Um, so yeah, in terms of like people connecting with you, I know you d- you do some physical art as well. Like you've got Etsy and you sell bits and pieces 
around the place like yeah where do you want people to connect well since they've check in, you out? Uh, heard me first on this which is a podcast i think listening to my podcast might be an interesting place to get to know me a little bit more so that's magic for realists and they want to say hi there i'm on instagram same handle magic for realists and the website magicforrealists.ca is also a way to send me a message, get in touch. And then that links to my various physical art stuff as well. Cool. That sounds like a very sensible way of uh, rounding it up. <laughs> That's the way I've actually pulled those all together. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, Lindsay Celeste, thank you so much for joining me. Um, and as I say, you will be back on at some point <laughs> to finish this so conversation. Much. It's been a pleasure talking as always. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Andy Mort. If you'd like to find out more about him, you can go to andymort.com. That's A-N-D-Y-M-O-R-T.com. And that links to a bunch of things that he's up to. And of course, if you'd like to listen to the Gentle Rebel podcast, you can find it on the same podcast player you're listening to this one on, I bet. And if you are an Instagram person, you can find him at ap underscore mort on instagram and on the instagram note thank you to those of you who uh follow me there and who send me comments and likes on my photos i am a newbie to social media and um you are all providing me with a very gentle and friendly introduction and so thank you i really enjoy those interactions and also a shout out to those of you who have found the magic for realists podcast through andy and through that conversation it's a joy to have you over here listening to this one as well and uh i think it's also an indication of kind of the the resonance of andy and i and yeah the people that i've met through that connection i'm really stoked for um the commonality of creativity and um, authenticity and wanting to be kind and encouraging in the world so the the tone of 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 that is really encouraging to me so just a shout out to those people and if you haven't yet listened to the gentle rebel podcast you may very well enjoy it if you enjoy this one so i think that's it for now and until next week i hope you experience some of the magic of the real world bye for now